What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pals, Mask Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check, here with your January 15th, 2021 SmackDown review. We are officially halfway through the first month of 2020 version 2.0. Do we feel any better? No, we don't. But on the upside, you're getting a lot of extra content from me because I'm bored off my ass. Um... If it ever gets to the absolute point of boredom, it's going to be when you see me up here doing a raw review. That'll be, if I ever put out a raw review, that's my secret symbol to like send help. That's all I'm going to say about that. But SmackDown's all right. SmackDown's pretty good. Um, that's not very much of a selling point, is it? It's not as good as NXT, and it's not as new and shiny as AEW. But I mean, it's still better than Raw, NXT UK. 205 Live, etc., etc., etc. Don't really know what I'm saying. It's tired o'clock. I'm not going to lie, guys. It's it's very, very late on Friday night. It's almost midnight. I'm, I have to do the head bob thing because all my clocks are in weird places in this room, and I uh, apparently can't tell time. I was busy watching WandaVision before I watched SmackDown, which means I'm talking to you at Ridiculous O'Clock. Remember that? Remember Ridiculous O'Clock? Oh, yes. Started off this week with a recap of last week and the gauntlet match that was awesome until it wasn't an Adam Pierce of all people becoming the number one contender and we start off this week's episode of Smackdown dry in the back Roman Reigns looking over the WWE contract for Royal Rumble for his match against Adam Pierce for the championship not saying anything Paul Heyman sort of does this great job of hovering around him trying to think about what he's thinking about you know oh you got exactly what you wanted you're gonna get your hands on Adam Pierce no, 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 you're right, that's not good enough, that's not good enough, we need to add something to the match, the match needs something special, it's the Royal Rumble, and you're the head of the table, we need a special stipulation, it should be no disqualification, and without even saying anything, he says, he just takes the folder away, and he says, consider it handled. Now, the other half of Roman's, you know, WWE family, Jey Uso, is already in the ring, talking about how his family basically runs the show, he really is, like, scrappy-doo, to uh, to Roman Scooby, he's putting his, his cousin over everybody. Everybody that you know benefits from the show having good ratings, benefits from the show having fresh towels in the locker room, which you want to hope they had anyway. Anybody that benefits from them having hot food and catering, which you want to hope they had anyway. You know, you should all be thanking Roman, but you know, it's not just all. It's not all him. You know, all the family's going to be really, really, you know successful and whatnot. He's gonna go, he's gonna enter the Royal Rumble, he's gonna win the Royal Rumble, he's gonna hop over to Rob, beat up Drew or Oldberg, uh, and and uh, he's gonna be the other champion, which, I mean, there's an opportunity for them to tell a story here, whereas if he goes for a, I mean, it's not gonna happen, let me be clear, but if he went for a world title on the other show, could Roman Reigns cut him right back down to size? Like, oh, you're going for a world title too, eh? I bet you think you're on the same level as me, and then they could start fighting all over again. Talks about the match last week, the uh, the gauntlet and all that sort of thing. Talks about all the people that Shinsuke Nakamura beat, because he beat Rey Mysterio, and he beat Baron Big Head Corbin, which made me pop. Talked about beating Daniel Bryan. And then says, yeah, you beat all those great guys, and all those guys are great, and as soon as you come up, up along us, you went down. And uh, just keeps keeps talking shit. I will say, if nothing else, this has accentuated Jey Uso on the mic. We said for a while that once the Usos, as a team, found their voice, they did those those call, call and response type promos. But 
you know, you never really knew what they were going to do on their own. You never really knew if they were just bouncing off each other, whether they were relying on each other, like a tag team should. But Jey Uso has really, even though he's in Roman Reigns' shadow, he still proved himself as that that guy, that guy on the mic, that guy that gets to hop around and have all the nervous energy, whereas Roman uh, is the one that has the presence, and he doesn't really have to say much of anything. He just has to give a glare in a certain direction. So the dynamic between them, even when Roman's not even in the ring, even when Jay is in the ring by himself, Roman is still there. And I think, I think that part of the story is going really underappreciated. There's not a whole lot of good things we can say about the main roster, but everything surrounding the uh, this rebirth of Roman Reigns is absolutely phenomenal. But out comes Nakamura because they're about to have a match and what he says in a second is phenomenal and what he puts sort of Jay in his place for a second and that's phenomenal. But I can't get over that because what I, I can't get over is the return, not of Shinsuke Nakamura, but of Shinsuke Nakamura's old music. All the speculation coming out of last week was that it was a slow babyface turn for Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, some of the stuff coming off the back of this show wouldn't make you think so, but he got his old music back. And, and you know, the crowd, even though it's a digital crowd that's being, you know, forced by WWE, it's not a natural reaction, but it does give us a better example of what they're trying to do with Nakamura. And he eventually does come out and he says, Roman Reigns is the big dog, I guess that makes you the little puppy. And he gives him a roundhouse kick as we go to commercial break, which is great. I wanted to come back from the commercial break. This is one of those weird little production things where it's like, I'm going to kick you in the head, and then we're going to just sit here and stand and stare at each other until the commercial break is over and the referee tells us we're allowed to fight now. Which is definitely what they did here, because when they came back from the commercial break, they were doing the, you know, be sure to catch the football, whatever sport is happening. They had that graphic, whatever the actual sport thing was for, for Fox. But if you look just past the graphic, you see two guys standing there, waiting until they're told they're allowed to fight. That's a little tiny nitpicky thing. I, I, I will admit that wholeheartedly. But it is really weird, especially because half the time, the stuff that's simulcast to us in Canada on Sportsnet 360, when you guys are getting some sort of advertising or some kind of graphic uh, on the Fox channel, we have nothing. We have a blank screen, or we have, you know, what's whatever's going on in the ring, but without the graphic that you guys are seeing in front of it, per se. I'm talking to my American friends, obviously. But when they do start fighting, holy shit, both men trade forearms, there's a knockdown by Nakamura, a side headlock by Nakamura, and flying elbow by Jay, front slam by Jay, some right hands, and a, and a gut shot by Nakamura, another roundhouse by Nakamura, because Nakamura does love to kick, doesn't he? Falls it up with a knee drop and a front slam, knee strikes to the ribs by Nakamura, a mud hole, and another headlock, good vibrations in the corner by Nakamura, but Cesaro makes his entrance, and I will say, because we're going to go to another commercial break in a second, Cesaro was on commentary for the rest of the match, he plays himself up like, he's Nakamura's friend, da-da-da-da-da, he's here to support him. He wasn't able to support him last week because the stadium that they're in right now is really big, and he couldn't get there because the stadium is too big, and whatever the case may be, he enters himself in the Royal Rumble and just stays on commentary for the rest of the match, which is, didn't take away anything from the match, but I'm not going to lie, it didn't really add anything either other than they're clearly leading to a split between Nakamura and Cesaro, which will lead to some fantastic matches, so that's fine. But coming back from the commercial break, Nakamura stomps on the midsection, there's Insiguri by Jay off the apron, right hands by Jay, Mudho, I can't read my writing, for God's sake, it's late in the, in the day, in the night, whatever you want to call it. Uh, corner hip attack by Jay, thrust kick by Nakamura, and a series of kicks, and a kitchen sink, sliding German suplex, thing. What, that, what, what do you call that? 
that thing where he basically does a slide under the bottom rope, under the person that he's fighting, and pulls them backwards with his own momentum. He does that, basically. Uh, Samoan drop by Jay once they're both back in the ring. There's a sliding neck breaker. Corner into Green, a second rope knee strike by Nakamura. Super kick by Jay. Jay attempts a cheap pin thing. Doesn't get the win. Puts his feet up on the ropes. Referee calls him. He's like, what the fuck are you doing, pretty much? It was Charles Robinson, who we're going to talk about in a second. But while he's yelling at Charles Robinson for not letting him get the cheap win, he gets a uh, Kinshasa instead, and Nakamura gets the win. Now... I like this for a bunch of reasons, because Cesaro was on commentary, I thought he was going to fuck this match one way or the other, either by turning on his partner, or by trying to help his partner and costing him the match, or by just, you know, stiffing Jey Uso and completely obliterating my thoughts that Nakamura is turning babyface. None of that happened. It was just Cesaro on commentary, just laying a little bit of groundwork, which is fine. Adam Pierce is in the back, talking to Sonya Deville, who's his assistant GM, I guess. I guess that's the general consensus that's coming out of this. I, I don't really care. Sonya Deville's hot as fuck, isn't she? I mean, I know that's 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 really bad to say because of why she was gone and all that sort of thing, but goddamn, that woman's gorgeous. And I know she ain't exactly into somebody like me, um, to say the very least, but Jesus Christ, when she does get back in the ring, it's going to be a game changer for SmackDown. Uh, I, I'm not saying that with hyperbole, like she's going to make a change to what wrestling is, but... I think she just might, you know. Um, I really, really hope that she's a heel. Clearly she's a heel, because she's maneuvering around Adam Pearce right now. I really hope she's the one to take the belt off Sasha Banks. I really do. Because A, I really do want to see Sasha Banks get her ass handed to her. And B, I want to see her get her ass handed to her convincingly. And as I've said a million times, I was lucky enough to see Sonya Deville in some awesome NXT house show matches when they came up to Toronto a couple years ago, which is why I've always said Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose, respectively, uh, are really, really underrated, but not, not in the way that I usually mean it when I say something like that. I, uh, I got to see them ha have a feud, because they had a house show feud while they were friends on TV, on NXT, they had a house show feud, so I got to see them fight each other a couple of times, and they always had a great match, and it's just one of those, it's not a main roster mess them up type thing, because they didn't even really get to show, especially Mandy Rose, but Sonya Deville as well, they didn't really even get to show what they got to do on NXT, so it's not even a, oh my god, main roster ruined them scenario, I just like, as much as we do give credit to Sonya Deville, I don't think you've seen on TV in any way, shape, or form what Sonya Deville can do. And obviously neither one of them got near a title in NXT, and that's a crime. Moving on, she's boosting up uh, Adam for his match tonight, you know. He's, she's basically giving him the, you know, anybody with two fists has a fighting chance, the old James Ellsworth speech. And Heyman comes in and demands that he sign the new contract. The new contract includes a no-disqualification stipulation. Adam just rolls his eyes a lot and says, yeah, well, you guys want to get your hands on me? You want to want an excuse to kick the shit out of me? All right, here, whatever, take it, go. We go to the back and we see Jey Uso arguing with Charles Robinson. He's like, oh, you know, don't you know who my cousin is? He's the one that puts money on your table. Don't you have, a, I think he said, like, don't you have a daughter or something to that effect, basically threatening the family. He's like, oh, what do you mean by that? And then he walks away. So, as I say, once again, the Roman 
the the idea that I was saying a minute ago about how Roman is there even when he's not there is very much there. We see a replay of the Dirty Dogs winning the tag team titles. We hear backstage comments from the Street Profits that basically say, yeah, we're going to get those titles back eventually. Then we go back to Roman Reigns' dressing room where he's giving advice to Apollo Crews. And my eyebrow goes up, even though I'm not The Rock. Um, tells him to stay, wait, and watch while he talks to Paul Heyman. Uh, he refuses to sign the contract, even though it's got the notice qualification stipulation. He says, I want a last man standing match. <laughs> and Paul, I hope you can consider this. Okay, this is the thing that went through the night as well. I should have said that. Um, in the, the first time around, Paul Heyman said to Roman Reigns, uh, let me let me take care of this. You can consider it handled. Hands him back the folder a second time and says, Paul, I hope I can consider this handled. Um, live oh my god. I love the women's division in NXT. I, I love the women in the main roster that have come from the women's division in NXT. But they're doing some weird shit, are they not? Everybody agrees. Everybody. No matter if you hate Raw, hate SmackDown, whether you are delusional and think AEW is better than NXT, we can all agree that one of the big mistakes that they made last year was splitting up the Iconics. Because they may not be the best act in the world, but they were at least an entertaining act. And all through 2020, into 2021, we need entertainment, we need a laugh, because the world kind of sucks. So Peyton Royce is now stuck with Lacey Evans, which is cringe, and Lacey Evans is shagging Ric Flair. As I said, if you ever see me reviewing Raw, <laughs> it's a cry for help. But Billy Kay has done this thing where she wants somebody to manage, somebody to assist, somebody to advise. She wants a job, pretty much. I think she even has to be on commentary at some point, which I would love there to be some minor show or even maybe one pay-per-view where Michael Cole has to commentate an entire pay-per-view with Billy Kay because like right off Corey Graves as like oh a wrestler attacked him he's not going to be here tonight type thing or whatever but she she wants to be friends and, and be Riot Squad 2.0 with Liv Morgan and, Bill, and uh, Ruby Riot so Liv Morgan's out for a match with Natty and Natty came out with Tamina no explanation. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Liv comes out with Ruby, obviously, and Billy Kay, who's now dressed like a punk rock riot person. I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know what to tell you. Anyways, Liv Morgan, though, is awesome, and she kind of got pooched in this whole scenario, but there's a collar double tap and a side headlock by Liv, head scissor, corner splash, and a hip attack by Liv, monkey flip, uh, wheelbarrow, handy, fuck me, I can't read my writing, I don't know why you guys are watching this, I don't know why you guys are listening to this, can't read my damn writing, lariat by Natty and a backbreaker, they both trade some forearms, there's a series of kicks by Liv, a step up knee strike and a mud hole stomp, a sharpshooter gets uh, countered into a modified code breaker by Liv, for reasons... Billy Kay makes her way around to the other side of the ring where Tamina is and starts cheering on Liv from that side of the ring. Tamina scares her. She runs away from Tamina, which is fine. Billy Kay would get murdered by Tamina, at least in the stories that WWE would tell you. I don't really care about Tamina. But there's anywhere she could run. In, in, in the whole big stadium that they're in, even in the ringside area, she could go back to her own corner. She runs into the ring and, and sort of cuts off Liv, Liv turns around to her to say what the fuck, Natalia gets a roll up, Natalia celebrates with Tamina, because they're friends now, 
I like a lot of the parts in here. I like the Riot Squad. I like Billy Kay. I've got a decent amount of respect for Natalia, even though WWE clearly doesn't know how to use her. Tamina, as the enforcer, as the Diesel on the outside, is okay. None of this works. This is like chocolate-covered hamburger. This is this is bad. This is this could have been good, but it's it's just bad. Um, same thing with Rey Mysterio versus Baron Corbin. They're trying to they're trying to really beef up this feud between the Mysterios and Baron Corbin. I'm not even going to run through the match because the last match depressed me. Um, basically, typical Baron Corbin Rey Mysterio match: power versus speed, all that kind of thing. 619 gets countered into a deep six, which is kind of nice. Uh, a couple of times, Corbin stepped out to the outside to pie face uh, Dominic, who's out in commentary, who they're basically playing up as the emotional teenager that can't control himself. Um, there's a distraction. Cheap shot to Dom on the outside. Ray gets tossed into Dom, end of days. Ray Mysterio, somebody as small as Ray Mysterio eating the end of days is always fun. Corbin has two good moves. Corbin knows exactly the role he plays on this show, as I've said before. As the guy that's not the spotlight, I hate to say it that way, Corbin knows his role. I would love, 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 love if they do another King of the Ring, they crown a new King of the Ring, and he insists on keeping the King Corbin name anyway just to be obnoxious. I would love that. The, the Deep Six is awesome. The uh, I, keep want, I keep wanting to say the Go to Sleep. But the end of days is awesome, and they're both poppers, and they both should be finishers. Two different wrestlers could use those two different moves as their finisher. He's got both of them, so he's got something going for him. I, I just do, I, you couldn't pay me to care about a Corbin Mysterio feud. Uh, in the back afterwards, we saw Dominic and Ray uh, just having father-son bickering like they were doing on Raw. That's just some shit that they transferred over to SmackDown. And uh, he's trying to tell him all the reasons that he shouldn't step up to Corbin because he's a former Money in the Bank, even though that failed, a former King of the Ring, which is a joke at this point. He's a former this, that. He's a former Golden Gloves thing and whatever. And he says, if you do insist on fighting him, I think we know who you need, who we need to call, who I need to get you to talk to. And I'm really scared that they're going to do some weird montage -y thing where, like, Dominic's getting some training from the Big Show. Because, hey, Golden Gloves people fist and, and Big Show's got the big fist. I, I don't want any of it. I'm not going to lie. Heyman tells Pierce about the new Last Man Standing stipulation. He goes to sign it. He doesn't sign it. He hesitates. He says, well, you've got a lot of time to think because the, uh, the head of the table wants you out in the ring to sign it with him there. Whatever. I'm not going to say very much about Bailey's talk show, the Ding Dong Hello show, uh, because it was really cool. She's playing up her current, like, Karen SJW looking gimmick, and her first guest was Bianca Belair, who's cringe as fuck. Yes, I said it. The E-S-T-S-T-D of WWE is cringe as fuck. They're going to have an obstacle course next week. Yay! What's that going to prove? That's going to prove that, well, athletically gifted, Bianca Belair is. Care about Bianca Belair? I do not. Bailey could be doing better things with her time. SmackDown could be doing better things with their time. The women's division could be doing better things with their time. I could be doing better things with my time. You people here listening to me waste my breath on Bianca Belair could be doing better things with your time. Oh, yes. Ah... Uh, 
we go to the back where Chad Gable is training Otis and Brian and they're doing more hip thrusts and then Brian gets interviewed about the fact that he's in the Royal Rumble match. He talks about his match with Cesaro tonight. Cesaro cuts him off and says, hey, you know, I bet you think my partner Nakamura really respects you, but that handshake he gave you last week was out of pity. Uh, so we're amping up that Nakamura is sort of becoming a good guy. We're amping up the fact that Cesaro is definitely remaining a dick. So they're definitely going to fight at some point. I'm sorry. I'm going to say this. Where um, we got some great brawls out of Cesaro and Sheamus that got us a great team. We never really had brawls between Cesaro and Nakamura before they became a team. So if that team splits up. I'm interested in that. Uh, they, they made a point in on commentary in a second in the match I'm about to talk about that between Daniel Bryan and Cesaro, there's so many different, um, you know, worldly fighting styles that uh, that are covered in in talents like Bryan and Cesaro. So I'm pretty sure Cesaro could match strong style with Shinsuke Nakamura. Now all the people that are fans of New Japan are all gonna come and like jump down my throat because I don't know what Nakamura did in the Tokyo Dome, brother. But I'm sure Cesaro will 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 come up with something to match that. So when we when this story reaches its apex, it just started last. The seeds were planted last week. It's starting to grow this week and I want to see it go forward I wouldn't mind Wrestlemania isn't going to be an it's it's going to be another not regular Wrestlemania isn't it? it's going to be Thunderdome mania isn't it so you know there's there's a lot more forgiveness as to what you throw on the card there was some stuff that they threw on last year's card in the in the empty PC Wrestlemania that wouldn't have even made Sunday night heat five years ago so as a random middle of the card, just like let's let these guys do what they can do. Match Cesaro and Nakamura is a good match, isn't it? I'm already looking forward to that, and I don't even know if I'm right that it's happening. You know what is happening though? Daniel Bryan versus Cesaro. What did I say at the beginning of this show? A couple of good stories and a couple of good matches, and you can forgive a lot of other cringy stuff like Bianca Belair being on the show. Uh, we started off with Uso versus Nakamura, which was great. This match. Big surprise, Cesaro and Daniel Bryan was a good match. Let's talk about this. Collar and elbow tie and a side headlock by Cesaro immediately. Chain wrestling to follow. Back elbow by Cesaro. Uppercut, corner strikes, and say it loud, say it proud, from Daniel Bryan, the Daniel Bryan silly kicks. Oh yes, in the corner. Running drop kick in the corner by Bryan, who then works the arm. Power slam by Cesaro. Shots to the back in the midsection. Monkey flip by Bryan into the ropes, which ends in a really awkward landing for Cesaro because he monkey flips and he hits the ropes and then he sort of comes straight down on his head which doesn't look very good. Top rope crossbody to the outside by Brian and Brian tries the Daniel Bryan silly kicks on the outside but he silly kicks the post. So Cesaro's had his arm worked on Daniel Bryan just fucked up his own leg going into the commercial break they've both got a bad limb don't they? Isn't that doesn't that just open up a blank new page for some good storytelling when we come back from the commercial break? We do come back from the commercial break. There's a mud hole stomp by Cesaro to Brian's bad leg, which is tied up in the ropes, which is good. They have an uppercut battle to follow, but Cesaro's arm is weaker, so Daniel Bryan's getting the better of that. Drop toe hold by Brian and boots to Cesaro's bad arm. It's all good. Cesaro goes for the swing. Doesn't really get as, as many rotations as he usually would because of the bad arm. Locks in a sharpshooter because Daniel Bryan's got a bad leg. He turns it into a crossface, but can't hold onto it because of the bad arm. It gets transitioned into a yes lock, and then an arm breaker by Bryan. A deadlift suplex from the second rope by Cesaro. Just, he, he twisted as he came down to get him into the proper suplex position. Very, very nice. It's not, it's a new, 
I guess, new alteration of that deadlift thing that he used to do from the apron. Uh, there's a backslide attempt and some more kicks by Brian, but there's an uppercut and a neutralizer for Cesaro that gets the win. And to their credit, I know it's popular to shit on Michael Cole, and I know Corey Graves isn't everybody's cup of tea, but they go ballistic underlining the, the, the size of the victory that this is for Cesaro to get a win over, over Daniel Bryan. Which is really, really, really good. Carmella, in the back, God bless her, telling some more simple truths about Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks jumps her from behind and wants to fight her wine server guy. So, in the realm of WWE, we know they, do, they don't do proper intergender wrestling. We know that this is going to be a Becky Lynch, James Ellsworth situation. So what we've got is Sasha Banks is going to kick the hell out of some dudes, and some feminists and SJWs are going to call that a win. I'm already not looking forward to that. Let me just put that out there. And, yeah. Much like a lot of other people in the world, much like is the general tone in the world in 2021, you tell the truth, you get attacked. You want proof? Look on YouTube. Look on Twitter. Look on Facebook. Look on Instagram. Look at the media. Look at uh, society, politics, whatever. You, you tell too much truth, somebody gets upset and violent about it. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Carmella out there telling the truth. Bailey out there telling the truth, trying to have herself a new talk show that got ruined by Bianca Belair. But, you know what's really cool? You know what's really cool? You know what I really like? A new heel turn and a new direction and a new attitude from Apollo Crews. Apollo Crews taking on Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn's out there with his conspiracy theory camera crew, which is good. A um, couple different things we get before this match starts. We see Big E has joined them on commentary, but he's not at the commentary desk. He brought a couch out to commentary. And he brought a beer fridge, and in the beer fridge is fruit cups. Don't know. I love Biggie sitting there on the couch with his championship and his Ghostbusters ugly Christmas sweater to watch the match between Apollo Crews and Sami Zayn. And do commentary. Before the match starts, we also saw a clip from last week's Talking Smack in a conversation between Paul Heyman between Paul Heyman and Apollo Crews that I didn't see because I don't watch Talking Smack as nearly as much as I would like to. And it was basically, like, you could be a winner. You could be a star. You know, he basically says, go away, come back to this talk show in a couple of weeks with a championship. Go away, come back to this, come back to this talk show as a winner. Go and, uh, you know, it's, uh, if we hadn't bastardized the whole brass ring metaphor, it's a go grab your brass ring speech from, from Paul Heyman, which is awesome because it ties into the scene with him earlier tonight getting his lessons from Roman Reigns. Apollo Crews joining that crew is going to be really... It's really good because it's more people backing up this, this godfather character that Roman Reigns has got. It's just odd because there's been so much focus on his family and what his family, the Samoan dynasty, has done for wrestling, so going out and, and branching out, so to speak, would be a little bit weird. They'd have to get really creative and talk their way around that, but I think they could do it. I think uh, 
I think they've done so well with this Roman Reigns heel turn and this this mini faction that's already starting, even though the faction is just him and Jay right now. You're always keeping in the back of your head the the question of when's Jimmy coming back? Is Jimmy going to fight Jay or is he going to fall into line? Uh, are they going to become the three of them? It's it's very, very cool. And it makes me not want to say, well, why would he join Roman Reigns? That doesn't make sense. It makes me say, oh, okay. How's he going to fit into this cool thing that's going on? Anyways. Dropkick by Cruz to start off the match. A mini beatdown and another dropkick. Lariat outside of the ring by Zayn. And they brawl in front of Big E. Both of them sort of posturing a little bit. Big E being Big E on commentary. Moonsault by Cruz and a face wash by Sami Zayn. Elbow and a... Uh, sorry. Elbow by Sami Zayn. Belly to back. Release suplex by Cruz that even Big E on commentary puts over, you know... You know, let's not pay attention so much to who he's talking to in the back. Let's pay attention to that big, strong man in the ring and the and that throw that he just did. Snake eyes in an instagree. There's a roll-up with the tights by Sami Zayn, and the referee calls it. Uh, corner exploder by Sami, but a roll-up by Cruz with the tights gets the win. And this works for everybody. I just, that, that last little exchange works for everybody. It works for... Hey, I'm taking these lessons from Roman and, and Heyman, and maybe I do need to be an asshole to succeed, and it got me a victory. And he went to talk to, he went to get in Big E's face, which is fine, but it also, it also feeds right into Sami Zayn and his camera crew and the conspiracy theory, because while he got called out for the tights, his opponent didn't. And I mean, I guess we just think that Apollo Crews matters i don't know but that feeds into his story because they're both heels and because it's that rick flair versus eddie guerrero who's the dirtier lie cheat stealer um both of them can go off separately into their own stories now Sami Zayn can continue the conspiracy shtick apollo cruz can can uh, continue his heel turn maybe even joining roman and his crew because if he goes on to to absolutely trounce over Big E, take the Intercontinental Championship. Other people will be happy because then Big E can go win the Rumble, da 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 and he can go get a title. But more importantly, maybe Apollo Crews brings another title into that Roman faction, if that's indeed what they're doing. There's weird, weird trash talk between Big E and Apollo Crews. Because Apollo Crews is a born babyface, I think. And he's really trying to slip into... A heel character that I don't think he's quite found yet, like like early days Bailey when she turned heel and slashed the Bailey buddies. But also you've got Big E, who is a very very extravagant babyface, who they're trying to give more edge to. So occasionally he does come off like an asshole. So you've got both guys just just smiling a little bit bigger at each other, and it's very it's very contentious because you got one babyface that's trying to sound like a badass and it's making him into a bit of a heel. You got one baby face that's trying to be a heel and it's not quite working. The two of them are smiling like a Jordan Miles t-shirt and there's a match I want to see next week now. They are indeed, it's confirmed after the commercial break, uh, they are going to fight again for the uh, Intercontinental Championship. That's going to happen next week. We're going to get the obstacle course with Bianca Belair and Bailey, and I'm going to put the barrel of some sort of assault weapon to the temple of my head for that because they're just they're just gonna throw Bailey under the bus aren't they they're just gonna throw Bailey under the bus and yeah we, we finished it off with the contract signing uh, Roman Reigns comes out to a lot of hoopla he makes a long slow trudging walk to the ring I will say sorry I should have said this at the beginning I'm very scattered tonight 
I don't know what cameras they're Somebody said that they're using a football camera for the entrances now. It's very, very uncanny valley, whatever camera they're using for the entrances for the wrestlers uh, on SmackDown. I, uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know whether I like it or not, because it's the first time I've noticed it, but it's very, very strange, and especially because they drew out Roman Reigns' entrance, only to emphasize that, eh, here comes Adam Pearce, and he doesn't even have an entrance. Uh, he goes and sits at the chair on the one side. You think that Roman Reigns is going to do that thing where he moves the chair into the head of the table to complete the head of the table metaphor, but he doesn't. He says, I don't want that chair. He says, Paul thinks he wants it at the head of the table. He doesn't. No, 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 no. I want Adam's chair. And so he says fine, take the chair, whatever the case may be. They sign the contract, and Roman Reigns just sort of says, they've both got microphones in front of them, neither one of them even pick up the microphones. Roman Reigns just says, you're an idiot, that's the last contract you're ever going to sign. Uh, as soon as Roman signs it, Adam Pearce sort of looks at him and says, I've been waiting all night for you to sign that. What Takes the book, walks up the rampway, Roman Reigns kind of looking at him like, what the fuck? Like, is this guy trying to have a joke on me? As he's going up the rampway. Now, part of this was fucked up because his microphone fucked up once he was walking up the rampway. So I don't know what that was about. But as he walks up the rampway, he sort of starts limping, starts twitching, starts grabbing at his leg, whatever. And he says, oh, I hate when this happens, you know. I got one of those, those, those nagging injuries, you know. If you don't know now, you'll know eventually. If your career lasts long enough, you get these injuries that just come back every now and then. And I don't know if I'm going to be ready for the Royal Rumble. Uh, but if you know, any WWE contract, any pay-per-view card that anybody's ever ordered always says card subject to change. So in my position as the authority, if a competitor is not ready to compete, it is in my purview to announce a suitable substitute. Makes the obvious announcement of Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens comes out sort of smiling. Roman Reigns is not, he's not losing his, like Heyman's losing his shit, Jay's losing his shit. Roman Reigns is just doing that that twitchy sort of like fume that he does when he's pissed. Uh, it's that quiet, calm, duck duck under the water type of uh, type of thing that he does, and it's just he's so good at it that as I said before, I said it at the beginning, and I'm going to say it here now because I can't think of a, of a better way to say it. Roman Reigns does more with a glance than half the people in WWE right now do with a promo, and that's really bad. Um, I've, I've said for a while now, it's bad that uh, the guy that's not really a wrestler in NXT does the best promos in NXT. Roman Reigns is doing more with a glance. He just sits there and he, he sort of twitches and fumes a little bit. And it's just it's just that little tick in his face because the rest of him is completely still. It's really, really good. <laughs> Owens has uh, got that, hey, I'm back, smile on his face, which is great. So now we have, if all my ducks are in a row and I read this the way the way I think I read it, we are getting Roman Reigns, once again, this current version of Roman Reigns, versus this version of Kevin Owens that WWE finally has recognized is a main eventer in a Falls Count Anywhere match for the championship at the Royal Rumble. And that's pretty damn good, especially when you look at the other side, and the other side is Drew McIntyre facing Goldberg. The next title match we're getting on SmackDown is Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns. The next title match we're building to in NXT is Finn Balor versus Pete fucking Dunn. On Raw, Drew McIntyre, who currently has COVID, so thoughts out to him, and, and I hope he's well enough and all that sort of thing to even be at the Royal Rumble, but then to waste his time with Goldberg. Again, I've said it three or four times in this video already. If you ever see 
this channel cranking out Monday Night Raw reviews, you will know I've either lost my shit or it's a silent cry for help. Um, but to say overall, um, I don't come I don't come to this review with an ecstatic amount of, of you know electricity and, and enthusiasm and whatever like I do like I do for NXT because there is there's a lot of dead weight. I don't care about Corbin and Ray. I I really want them to start using some of the women they actually should be focusing on in this division better. Um, you know, Bianca Belair ruining Bailey's segment. Sasha Banks is going to beat up a dude. But, like I said, we got Nakamura versus Uso tonight on the show. That was awesome. We got Cesaro versus Brian, and that's never really going to disappoint. We got a new heel turn to Paulo Cruz gunning once again for Big E and the Intercontinental Championship. And now we've got Kevin Owens, who's reset his sights on Roman Reigns and his title at the Royal Rumble. Um, it balances out. It doesn't make for an A-plus, you know, Michael Bay, Fireworks and Transformers episode of wrestling, but it does balance out. And that's 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 the that's the point I'm gonna leave it on. It's not, oh my god, this is the best thing ever. It's not, oh my god, what the fuck did I waste my time with? It's it's right in the middle. It's it's good. It's good. It's balanced. It's fine. Um, they talked about the tag team champions tonight and they weren't on the show, which is which is a bit of a bummer. And if they're breaking up Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura, then they're gonna really struggle for challengers, aren't they? Maybe go down to NXT, join the Dusty Classic. We're going to talk about the Dusty Classic some more next week, and the Women's Dusty Classic next week. I, I hope we get some incredible video package on the team of Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart, who I want to win the whole thing. But now I'm just rambling about NXT. That does not fit on a SmackDown review, because the SmackDown review is over. I've been Spaz, your YWC Reality Check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, tagging out. Bye, guys.